0: We're excited to change the world of startups for the better, but trying to make a difference and turning our good intentions into reality has proven to be more complicated than expected. We constantly encounter unexpected second-order effects. When we solve one issue, we end up unintentionally creating another one. It's dawning on you that being a good leader is more complex than simply having that one big idea. True leadership is about the difficult decisions and trade-offs you encounter whilst executing it. On this show, we explore the entrepreneurial zeitgeist with the aim to work and lead differently. Between all of us, we can decode what it will take to be a leader today. My guest today is Ken Paskins. He's an executive coach and fractional COO. He's also my business coach for Flow SEO. In this episode, we talk about the psychology of change and why organizational shift is more than just tools and practices. According to StrengthsFinder, Ken excels at analytical thinking, responsibility, strategy and command. So it's interesting that our discussion revolves around vulnerability as a leader, the ability to admit mistakes and fostering trust in our teams. In the beginning of the episode, we talk quite a bit about EOS. This is short for Entrepreneurial Operating System. It's a management methodology by Gino Wickman. If you read the book Traction, it's all about EOS. The framework is focused on quarterly sprints with very clear goals. And to enable business growth, it focuses on getting the right people to work in their zone of genius with very clear success metrics and check-ins. If you ever wanted to implement a new system like OKRs, EOS, or Scaling Up, this episode is for you. Because as usual, These systems sound easy in their best-selling books, but complexity arises during implementation. So let's dive in.
1: When should I reach out to you? And my answer was when something doesn't feel right. Okay, so, you know, business owners, CEOs, they don't go to EOS or scaling up or other systems and things if everything is going right and perfect, right? Meaning, you know, I've got all the best people, I'm growing the way I want, I have, you know, everybody adheres to our core values, I've got full control, I've got balance in my life. If you have all those things, you're not looking for that silver bullet. So generally, people come to me when they when they know something's not going right, but they don't know what that is, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So my assumption is that, kind of like the example that you shared, a lot of business owners are probably quite overwhelmed or their growth is stagnating or declining, or maybe their growth is good, but they're not making any profit. What are some of the most common issues that you see people having?
1: My opinion is, if you look at entrepreneurs and CEOs out there, 20% of them have incredible ideas and they've got the business acumen to make things happen, right? And you know who those folks are, you meet them and they're sharp, they've been there, done that, they understand what's the benefits of systems, they understand the benefits of process, they understand leadership, they understand the basic financial aspects and the importance of financial controls and all that stuff. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, 80% of them don't, right? And my father was one of those, right? My father was an entrepreneur by heart, and so was his father. And uh, he would put everything on black 32, and sometimes that bet would pay off, and sometimes it would not, right? But entrepreneurs, a lot of them come up with a great idea, right? And then they often find that that idea evolves and changes into a business, and they become this thing called an accidental entrepreneur, right? Where they suddenly have this company. And they've got these people, and they're expected to be the expert on how do I grow them? How do I lead them? How do I get to the next level? And it can be a challenge. So I think your original question was, what sort of things do I see? You know, the things you see generally is the entrepreneur, the owner is stretched beyond their capacity, and they don't know where to go. They feel like they don't have balance in their life, right? Right. They feel like all the answers fall on their plate versus their employees' plate. They question why nobody can do things themselves. They know that their employees aren't happy and there is some turnover, but they can't put their finger on it. And a lot of times I'll start to hear, and it doesn't even matter what size it is. I've heard this even at a a $50 million company, right? But, you know, a lot of times I've even had entrepreneurs even ask me the question, should I actually go backwards? Should I stop growing? Should I I slow down per se? And that's not the answer, right? I mean, if we're not growing, then we're dying, right? And that's in life and in business and personally and professionally as well. So the answer isn't to go backwards, but what we really got to do is identify what is the root cause of that? And sometimes it's on them, right? A lot of times it actually can be on them. Right. So we've got to identify what that is and then begin to put the right fixes in place to help them punch through that.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And I definitely count myself in the category of accidental entrepreneur. And I also <laughs> know that I specifically asked you that question. Should I be slowing down or or should I be reducing? So um can definitely relate. So here's the thing. So, you know, this year was finally the year that we became pretty serious about changing the way we run the business and kind of implement the 90 days, let's say, sprint world, implement, you know, measurables and metrics for everyone in the team, make sure everyone is in the right role, et cetera. And it also made me realize that the reason why I always loved the EOS methodology was that there are so many worksheets. And so obviously I started, it's like, okay, fill out my worksheet vision, fill it out, orchard, fill it out. And pretty quickly, I came to realize that filling out the worksheet is probably only, let's say, like 25% of the equation. If that. if, If even, exactly. Because then I need to communicate it to the team. I need to get the team on board, et cetera. And so talk to me about the soft factors that make an organizational change like that successful.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean... Look, I had somebody ask me a long time ago, does EOS ever not work? And let's look at it this way. If you have the right core values, if you have all the right people, if you are hitting all your goals, if you have the right metrics, if you have the right processes in place, of course it works, right? It's nirvana, right? Right. But the problem (laughs) is very few people actually execute on that, right? So very few people do that. EOS is just a tool set, right? So it's a tool set that if you don't have the business experience to actually bring to the table and fully leverage and take to the next level, then it may not be as helpful at times, right? And that's in your comment earlier, filling out the spreadsheets, et cetera, et cetera. Well, filling out the spreadsheets and filling out the charts and filling out all the metrics and stuff still doesn't help Viola and or other leaders if they still struggle with how do I lead my people? How do I find the right people? How do I elevate my people? Right. So there's still I think those are the things you mean the softer factors that still professionals CEOs and owners have to go through that journey to elevate themselves. Right. So we can throw all the tools in the world together. Right. Just because But if we don't have some of those soft characteristics on leadership and understanding the basics of business, then really it is just a bunch of tools.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. For, you know, the team that's getting thrown into a process like this, let's say the owner or the leadership team decides, you know, we want to use a methodology like this, EOS or scaling up or OKRs, what's, required and requested from the team members to participate? And then how can I embrace that or how can I bring that out of people as a leader?
1: Really, I think it comes down to their belief in you as a leader and the owner and the CEO of the business, number one, their understanding of what the expectations are, meaning that you want the open, honest, and transparency from them. And just being really crystal clear about that, right? So it's a, it's a struggle for employees to make that connection initially, right? So, and a lot of CEOs don't understand this. And I think a lot of sm- smaller companies specifically don't see themselves as the big boss, right? But your employees do, right? So your employees rather right or wrong, which makes it a challenge a lot of times for owners, they look at you to have all the answers and know everything, right? They look for you to make the call on everything. They can be fearful of being completely open and honest and transparent because they believe that a lot of times you want them to tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear, right? So that's a challenge, right? So as an owner, you, know, you don't want, unless you're narcissistic or something, right? You shouldn't want to want a bunch of people around you that are yes men or yes women telling you what you need to hear because you're going to walk off the cliff and you're not going to see your blind spots. So it's really important that we do create that environment of transparency where they have a voice and they speak up and they're adding to the business and adding to your visual optics across the company as well. So it does fall on you. Hopefully I answer your question. I'll let you push me, obviously, but it does fall into the realm of I, a lot of it falls on you as the owner to build those right those expectations and that clarity and let them understand that that is their role. Their role is not to be in the company, take a paycheck and just tell me what I, I need to hear every day and make me feel good. Right. We can get that anywhere, but if you focus on what is the greater good of the business and taking the business to the next level which ultimately leads to profits in your pocket which is what you want then you've got to break that down and and get that trust and transparency
0: how would you recommend to communicate that
1: there's many ways but you know one of the ways to start is just uh you know a lot of times when i come into businesses i i will tell the leadership team cuz i'll see this i'll see the the ceo say one thing and everybody around the uh The virtual table sort of shaking their heads and i'll just have to remind them and you know pretty publicly like look our role is not to just say yes right and there's many different times well they'll come to me and say well we disagree with this decision well why didn't you raise it then why didn't you raise it there's no value to agree after the fact if the owner's making these decisions Right. So sometimes they'll even hold back data and information, which isn't beneficial. I'll let them know just point blank. Like, look, you know, our job is to tell the owner what they need to hear to help them make the right decisions, period. And specifically, if you're in a leadership team of a small company and we're not talking about uh, the ground level troops, such as a sales guy or a customer services person, you know, we're talking about the leadership team it's got to be crystal clear on what the expectations are. And they're, they're, the expectations are we need to bring you know data to the table, facts to the table, transparency to the table, and focus on the greater good of the business and help the right decisions be made.
0: I would assume that someone maybe doesn't dare to speak up you know, in a leadership meeting if, I don't know, maybe they've been put down before or they're worried about their position. And so it, seem, it seems to me that the ability for people to speak up also correlates with the leadership ability to generate trust. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that and how do you handle maybe mistakes and failures or in general communication so that people feel, you know, they're wanted, they're appreciated and they can dare to speak up.
1: It's a dance and it's change. And it really ultimately, once again, depends on the owner and the CEO themselves. But I have walked into environments where people have been ridiculed and put down. And sometimes they should have been, but handled differently, right? Mm -hmm. And people, when you get into that situation, you're hesitant to bring up your views and perspectives. So the ultimate way to build trust, specifically if you're an owner that realizes that I've done some of these things, right? I've put my people in this situation where they don't want to step up, they don't want to Give me the honest feedback which helps me drive profitability and helps me become a better leader the best way to do it is realize some of the mistakes that you've made and fully own that and ultimate accountability of that right so you know a lot of times i'll encourage owners that actually have the conversation say look i realized in the past that i i may not have welcomed some of the ideas to the table or i always thought that my ideas were the best and as it was a smaller company that's the way i had to operate because i had so much on the line and everything had to come through me but i realized in order to scale now in order to take the company to the next level all right which is good for all of us not just me it means career paths for your employees and yourselves it means better benefits more time off better pay it means it means a lot of things but in order for us to fully scale You know, I'm also going to have to trust and rely, not ridicule and accept feedback and honesty from you. So, that owner has to break down that wall. The employees are not going to. So, building that trust is helping them understand why they have been the way they have been, where they want to go and why they want to go there, and being patient, right? So, going through change cycles can easily take six to nine to 12 months. So it's nothing that's going to happen day one, right? You can't have that conversation and the next day all the culture completely shifts. And it does fully fall on the shoulders of that owner and that CEO to actually implement that change. So they are the ultimate leader of the business, right? So it does fully fall on them.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I have two phrases or concepts in my mind for that. One is this idea leading by example, and the other one actions speak louder than words and so that you know when people do dare to speak up like how do I react to that
1: yeah it's funny you say that I have a I've heard that before but I got a different approach that I actually or or statement that I give most owners specifically when I get into situation why don't they do as much as I do or why don't they do this or why don't they do that And this has typically been with owners that actually have a lower bar of themselves versus others. And generally what I like to tell people is expect 90% of your employees of what you're willing to give, right? So if I'm an owner and I show up in the meetings late all the time, then how can I expect my organization to be on time? If I miss my commitments to my employees, such as a paycheck being sent out, a bonus being sent out, their employee review or something like that. How can I expect them to hit their commitments to my customers, right? So we can't have a significant higher expectation on our employees if we have such a low bar on ourselves, right? So, you know, whatever we're willing to give, we need to expect specifically since they're not owners of the company that they're probably going to give it about 10% less of what we do.
0: Right. And so here's a question. I assume most owners, you know, they're pretty stressed, there's a million projects and this is delayed and this is going on and, and someone needs to get hired in this process and this key account. And so knowing what you just said now, which is that's it's so important that we show up, that we honor our commitments. What are the few core activities that you would recommend owners to focus on in order to lead by example, knowing they have a million other things going on right now? Is that, for example, being on time to meetings, responding to emails, like what should they prioritize in order to show up?
1: Boy, um, it's an endless list, (laughs) to be quite honest, but let's see. It actually is kind of one of the reasons that, you know, I I formulated this, this company called The Shift Spot, right? My history, right, I've, I've managed big, really large teams in the past. So I've managed teams up to half a billion PL, and employees up to 450. And for the past seven years, I've been a fractional COO, drop in and help owners with these challenges and issues. But what I've learned through that process and doing that is everybody has the same issues, right? Owners need help in becoming better leaders and managers themselves, right? they need help in understanding how to hire and fire correctly they need better systems and processes and the understanding of what that means they need other ceos to lean on for best practices they need a a village of experts around them from finance operations to sales and marketing to help them elevate you know specifically because a lot of owners and most owners are not jumping in and starting a business with 15, 20, 25 years of business acumen and experience. So they lack that and they're learning on a job, which is scary.
0: Obviously, there's business books and I learned from them, but I feel my best business advice has always come from friends that are entrepreneurs, peers, mentors, whether paid or unpaid, people that have dared to be really honest with me about how they do things maybe show their processes or share their failures, et cetera. And part of the reason why I also wanted to do the podcast. And so that makes a lot of sense.
1: And you know, by the way, in your company, I mean, it's it's lonely at times being the CEO, right? Because once again, your employees are looking for you to know everything, right? Everything. They're looking for you to have all this, the answers in sales and marketing and finance and how to hire, how to fire, and you know what to do at all times. And that gets daunting and scary. So the shift spot and other communities and other avenues can help surround yourself with experts and others going through that same journey in life that really just want want a better life and a better way to grow their business and, and be healthy.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I've noticed before when talking to you and also in this conversation is. You know, we started with the EOS, which also funny is like entrepreneurial operating system, right? So it sounds quite process-driven, operational. But then when we talk about the ins and outs of change, it's really much more psychological than you would anticipate. So tell me, in your experience, what type of personalities and companies make it well through a change process?
1: Oh, that's great. I love that question. Um, The owner specifically has to know that I don't know all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I want to grow. I'm tired of doing the same thing. I'm tired of beating my head against the wall. I'm tired of lack of balance in my life. I'm tired of feeling like I have to know everything and have all the answers. They have to be open to wanting to grow personally and professionally, right? And if they have that, then there's lots of ways to get help, right? EOS provides, uh, I would say, that the tactical direction and framework, but all those other psychological things and best practices and ways are actually what the shift spot actually does in bringing all of that stuff to that. But if you don't have the willingness to learn, accept accountability, grow, be vulnerable, and want to push yourself to be the best you, you can be, then no program out there is worth it, Right. But you've got to have that in you first. And that's actually one of the reasons I love working with any owner that is looking at EOS or they're looking at the shift spot or something like that. Because I know, first of all, they're raising their hand and say, I don't know everything, right? I'm vulnerable. I'm willing to admit I don't know everything and I need some help and I don't have all the answers. And that's okay. That's the first step.
0: Do you think this has changed? Do you think that's a pretty recent phenomenon that we talk about vulnerability in business or do you think that's always been a crucial factor? Yeah, that's a
1: great question. So I've been doing this seven years, right? And before that, I was in corporate America. And for the past seven years, I've been working with companies more, we'll call it 20 million below, some up to 250 million, but 20 million and below. But I will tell you in corporate America, I could not be vulnerable. Right. I had to know all the answers in leading great teams and big teams. Otherwise, you're often terminated. <laughs> right? So so I don't know if it's a newer thing or the, the change in going from big corporations to smaller companies. So, so that I, I I'm curious on what your opinion is. But for the past seven years, I have been working with people that are, you know, to use term that you can relate to, opting in. They're opting in and saying, I need help. <laughs> I'm not going around talking to people and saying, hey, I know everything and convincing them they need help. They're actually opting in and saying, I need help.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, there's probably macro trends. Like I think now it's much more common and accepted to talk about going to therapy than maybe 20 years ago and things like that probably helped. I do have the feeling that a lot of my friends, even if they have a corporate job, getting a lot more coaching now than in the past. But I also think it's like a necessary maybe evolution. Like when I started my company, I know me and a lot of my friends and my network, it was very much focused on revenue, revenue, hiring, profit, and a lot of the more softer things like employee relationships, retention, life quality, I feel only came after a certain stage of having at least a baseline revenue set. And so maybe it's also part of like an evolution as a company that these questions then are coming up more and more now.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that, and and actually, a couple of things just uh, came to mind as well. If you look at the Great Resignation, if you look at how hard it is to find great people and employees these days, if you look at all the studies out there, until the past year or so, which is amazing, you know, for many many years it was the number one reason employees would leave is because their manager or boss. Uh, then you know, two and three could be they didn't feel like they had clarity in their role or they didn't have the right tools to be successful. But it's interesting. I, I kind of wonder, because it's so darn hard to attract, retain, and get the right people, that we're being forced to look at ourselves in the mirror mm-hmm. and going, wow, I lose 50% of my staff every year. No one wants to work for me. I can't hire anybody. Boy, I can't blame anybody but myself. So I, I got to eventually either be a narcissist and ignore it and blame the world, or I've got to look myself in the mirror and going, ah, I've got to internally reflect and make some change. So that could be it as well. So the employees pushing on us and saying, I want more, I expect more, I need balance, you know, et cetera, et cetera, could actually be forcing us as owners and leaders to become better people too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I remember when I got my first job, which was as a project manager for a Berlin startup, I was very excited because the job description was perfect and you know it had exactly the task that I wanted and then very quickly I learned that probably what's even more important than your job description is the manager that you have in that role and that is um can make or break the job success way more than potentially your your oh so perfect job description
1: yes yeah I agree 100 yeah yeah
0: in the EOS world but also in a general business world there's obviously a few roles that are very important in a company and in the leadership team. So probably the leads for like marketing, sales, operation, then kind of like the general manager, EOS calls them integrator. What are some tips for people that need to hire very important leadership roles? How do they go about that and make sure that they're getting the right people for that?
1: I have the job description put together where it's crystal clear and you understand it. Put a lot of time into that, right? understand what metrics and KPIs that you want for that individual. Understand how long you need somebody in that role specifically because and what type you're looking for, right? So what I mean by that, if you're looking for a general manager for your company, there's multiple types out there. There's there's some that are really great at turning things around, right? They may not be as good at driving things operationally. There's some that are really good at growth right? Well, growth is not as uh, the same mindset of stability. So if you're in a high growth area, you want to look for somebody that actually has experience in high growth and actually thrives in that and maybe actually is okay with a little bit more chaos because that's what you're going to have, right? So understanding also just the, I guess, the psychological aspects of it, right? So those are some other things. And then For each one of those roles specifically, just how you're going to interview, right? So have a very detailed interviewing process put together. I think a lot of people actually neglect to do that. And then how you're going to ask and what questions are actually important. So for example, if I'm going to hire a general manager, I'm going to dig into several different areas. And that is what sort of things to use to measure and monitor the business? Well, I'm hoping that they give insights into KPIs. And then the next question could be tell me a place that you've actually built those out right And then I'm hoping they give me some examples. Then the next question could be help me understand you know utilizing those KPIs when something went wrong and how you identified it. And then the next question could be, what did you do about that? And then what time did that take? but really dig into, you know and have a very methodical approach to the questioning. So another area would be human capital and probing into how they interview, how they hire, how they fire, how they mentor people up, but be very methodical in your approach. And then as you have them going through the interview process, make sure through that process that if different folks are touching them, they're not asking the same questions. And they're actually, so if one person identifies, oh, they might have some struggles with hiring, Pass that information along and dig into some very specific areas in the hiring to alleviate that red flag. But job description, psychological profile, what your company needs the next three years, such as growth, stability, turnaround, something like that, and then just a very methodical interview approach. Does does that help?
0: Absolutely. And are there any interview, let's say, red flag or green flags? (laughs) that you're observing candidates or does that really depend on the role?
1: Um, Partially depends on the role, but a red flag for me is if they can't give me depth on a question. Very few people are actually good at this. And this is why most people are not really great at hiring. Very few people are good at peeling the onion back, right? So what do I mean by that? So most people will say, Hey, tell, let's let's say that you're hiring a, a sales leader. Hey, how have you done the past couple of years in, from your sales numbers or quota or whatever? Oh, I've done great. Oh, that's good. And they'll go to the next question, right? No, no. All right, ask 15 more questions. All right, you've done great. What percentage of quota were you? 110%. Great. What revenue impact was that on the business? Well, I made up 33% of the business. Uh, so that, that led to this, this, and that great. Uh, What struggles did you have through the year? Well, we ran into this. All right, great. How did you approach those struggles? Well, we did this and that. All right. What resources did you need to actually solve that problem? Well, I needed this and that. What were some of the roadblocks that you faced internally to accessing those resources? Well, we had this. So, you know, be able to really drill into where I say that you get to the truth and what the answer is, Most people are really good at asking those surface level level questions. And for example, if I'm interviewing a general manager, I'm gonna go down a KPI track. I'm gonna go down a human capital track and and I'm gonna go down a communication of leading across and leading down track. Three separate areas that I can spend two hours in getting very, very deep, right? So you need to be prepared to actually do that. And I don't think most people do.
0: So tell me, at this example for the general manager, how many interviews would that person do and how long is one interview?
1: So the very first call, I'll do just a 30-minute interview. And that's that's quite honestly, I learned a long time ago, I if I don't see their effect, I want to get on and off as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and course. that
1: very first interview is just, uh, do we have some chemistry and synergies in it? Can I see myself working with this person? And then I also, I always frame it the same way. Hey, I've got your resume. I've read your resume. So, you know, help them understand you're not wasting their time, right? Their time important. But I want you to methodically walk through it. And, and what I want you to do is I want you to actually speak to me on each event, why you went from point A to B to C, what your long-term goal is and what each one of these moves were for to help progress you there. So I'm trying to get insights into... Do they have a career track that they're after? Do they have a goal? Are they goal-oriented? Do they even understand what that means? And do they actually have a reason why they went from this role to this role to this role to get them to where they want to go? So I'm trying to get insights into that. And then after I do that, then it's really Taking whatever role it is, and then it's breaking it down. So for example, specifically as the general manager, I, I've given you some of the tracks that I'll break down into that. That will put together my question set for that. And then I will generally take any red flags out of that and I will feed them to the next interviewer and/or a panel. And I will have that panel and/or next interviewer dig dig into those areas. But I think your question was how much time and does it vary per role? It does vary per role. High level, I think the process is the same and the approach is the same, but clearly if somebody is interviewing as a customer service rep or something like that, you don't need to take them through four or five interviews. So there is some customization.
0: Right, right, right. That makes sense. And then I have a final issue that I would like to discuss, and I'm obviously, I'm going to play devil's advocate on this. And so, of course, a lot of management methodologies focus a lot on KPIs, on metrics. The assumption is what gets measured, you know, has transparency, gets improved, it helps to hold us accountable. And uh, I mean, I'm also a digital marketer. I like to spend my time on spreadsheets. So that seems also pretty natural to me. That, that being said, I do think there is a danger to one sided focus on the metrics that you have and maybe disregard bigger macroeconomic circumstances or innovations or things that are not very trackable. If I think about marketing, so for example, if I'm speaking at a conference, it's very hard to track if someone is going to become a client later compared to someone who visited my website and I can reverse engineer it very detailed. And so how do you deal with things that are not measured very well and do you think there is there is a danger about only focusing on a handful of metrics?
1: So I think there definitely is a danger. And like anything, you can't overanalyze, right? And you can get lost in the weeds and get lost in the numbers, but you have to also understand and know your numbers. Your question really makes me lean on one key thing, and that is being a strong leader, right? So as, as a strong leader, and as you grow as a leader, you should start to see the organization and and everything more as a chessboard, where I think too many people are trying to play checkers, right? So, you know, which is just purely paying att- attention to the KPIs and metrics and everything and get a- completely lost in that. So I'm afraid I don't have the right answer in the silver bullet, but it really is getting in the... Uh, Stepping back and challenging yourself as an owner, am I viewing my business as a as a chessboard, or am I viewing it as a checkers board? And checkers is more just the numbers, just you know, in the weeds and all that, all necessary. But guess what? There's so much more, right? There's the the strategy aspects. There's the. the global economic aspects, that you have political aspects. There's all these other things and different dials that you've got to look at and observe, and you have to do it all, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's what makes leadership in growing a business so complicated and quite else. Awesome. I mean, that's another reason that we we invented the shift spot and brought that together, is that we are trying to help owners actually look at every single one of those dials, not just one, and understanding that you know just one thing doesn't help us grow, it's looking at everything and looking at that complete picture. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And um, I like the the checkers versus chess. Cause I, I, I think like in many ways, I think the metrics and the KPIs are crucial, but they're also not the only thing. And and so I appreciate that.
1: And and that could kill that could kill creativity as well. Right. I've seen that in businesses as well, where it's so far into just all the measurements and everything that people just don't lift their heads up and they lack the creativity. Right. They just continue to look at the numbers and that's it. So
0: exactly. Any final remarks on the topic of leadership, organizational change or EOS?
1: I would just say, look, never continue not growing. Your business is only as good as you. Right. As as an owner. Realize once again that your people are going to give 90% of what you're willing to give. And if you have issues in the business, unfortunately, it's probably because of you. (laughs) (laughs) We as the owners of the company own the ultimate accountability. So we can point to our people and say, well, they're not doing this right. Well, guess what? We're the ones that hired them. And or train them or didn't train them or gave them process or didn't give them process or gave them bad systems or did not give them bad systems, right? So, you know, we've got to constantly be challenging ourselves to grow personally and professionally. And if we do the right things, if we look at our company as a chessboard and we're we're constantly tweaking all those little di- dials, then it can, can become easier. You can get balanced and you can live the best life that you will live.
0: Oh, I love that. Uh, Ken, where can people check out The Shift Spot and or your fractional COO services?
1: Yeah, so just uh, go check us out at www.theshiftspot.com. And uh, also for uh, fractional leadership, you can go to www.gcestrategicconsulting.com. And uh, feel free to shoot me an email as well at Ken at The Shift Spot. and happy to answer any and all questions you have.
0: Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, It was really, really insightful. And I appreciate actually rethinking a lot of the things that we've been working on together from the chessboard perspective. And so, yeah, I appreciate all your help this year and also your time on this podcast today.
1: Excellent. Appreciate it.
0: This episode of the Startup Revolution podcast is brought to you by audio engineer Maxi Fini and our producer Gabby Nunez.